Route 41, Sal's Diner down there, you know. That's just south of Nashville. So he pulls in to Sal's, and uh, he sits down there at the counter, and the uh, guy sitting next to him is this motorcycle guy, right? Motorcycle guy says, man, you don't even know how to drive no truck. You just don't know how to drive no truck like that. Boy, you, you're a rotten truck driver, and the guy never says nothing. He's just eating his chili and his ham sandwich. Guy kept saying, you just don't know how to drive no truck. Boy, are you a rotten truck driver. See, he's just putting him on waiting for a fight. You ain't no truck driver. You're just a fake. And the truck driver says nothing. He just shovels down the chili, and finally he gets up, and he pays for his chili and his ham sandwich, and he leaves. And pretty soon, the guy behind the counter, he's looking out the window, and he says, by God, you was right, stranger. That guy ain't no truck driver. And the guy sitting at the counter says, how come? What do you mean? He said, well, he just run over a motorcycle out there. All right, everybody, let's dance. <laughs> you like the way I tell jokes? <laughs> I never tell jokes. <laughs> My God, you can tell it, can't you? But uh, I'll tell you one thing I do. I do a lot of commercials, and I think we got a goodie one here, right here now. You got them bugles for general? Let's hear it, man. Bugles coming on. Yes, it's the Renaissance returning right now. Your nearby General Tire Store is offering a pair of famous winter cleat Blackwall snow tires for only $38. Size 650 by 13. Yes, sirree. Larger sizes available at comparable prices. This great General Tire has four full plies of Nigen nylon cord and a deep cleat four-rib tread that digs and grips. Take advantage of General's low price. Yes, sir. Drive in where you see the big red General Tire G sign located near you. Ho, ho, ho. Sing it out, man. Sing it out. Yeah. Oh, man. Hey, that was good. That was a goodie, wasn't it? I'm sorry. But uh, I just, just have to tell you those bad jokes there. I I guess uh, it's, I guess I'm in the moderately silly mood. You know, after all, it's uh, getting to be the silly season. And, hey, speaking of silly season, did you see the great ad for this uh, toy now? <coughs> yeah, you can buy a wind-up... Tra- well, that's actually transistor-operated. And it's, it's absolutely... They say it's absolutely realistic. It makes a great toy for a certain kind of kid. You got to buy a little transistorized operating, and it's great. It's a scale model, and it's an operating scale model of a blue shark. It's got little teeth, and you just stick it in the bathtub there. Can you imagine Daddy coming in there one night, lowering himself in the tub? <laughs> no, I'm serious. You know, you can buy it's kind of a great little toy. Would you love one? Yeah, Herb's thinking about that. You can even get them radio controlled, and. Uh, you know, that's all part of the, the new thing. Uh, you can also buy a great toys. Speaking of great toys, I saw one of these someplace. I don't know where it was, but you can buy an absolutely beautiful scale model of a hooded cobra. Mmm, it's real nice. Yes, sir. And it's uh, it's even got the real, you know, the hooded cobra texture. And it's got these little, uh, these little uh, plastic fangs, and they're hollow, and you can put anything you want in it, you know, like Aunt Jemima pancake stuff, you know, so it doesn't really, if you want to get somebody bad, what was the short story I once read about a rubber snake one time? Well, I don't, I'm sorry, I, that's my problem, I read, all you guys just sit out there and watch you Downs or something, for God's sakes. Uh, you know, speaking of uh, scary things here, we'd like to give a salute here tonight, I mean, everybody's worried about that truck driver now, <laughs> sitting out there thinking of the guy in the... 5,000-gallon vat of beer there. 
But uh, you, these things happen. You've got to take life the way it is. And by the way, speaking of taking life the way it is, we would like to recommend uh, a visit. Uh, if you're thinking of Christmas, uh, you know, Christmas shopping, we've got a commercial here so you can get up and do it right now. Here's your commercial. You'll find hundreds of great Christmas gifts at Huffman Coos. Old Huff is sitting out there. That's what makes Christmas shopping in any of the Huffman Coos 13 fine furniture stores in New Jersey and New York such a pleasure. A big family furniture gift or an intimate remembrance. A little music behind this wouldn't hurt, Herbert. You can select from more great items than you ever believe possible. Bring it up there. We're going to salute. Oh, 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 help, 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 help. If that's any way the appliance shop works, I get it. Get it off. It's getting me in the air. Stop it, you, will you? Right now at Huffman Coos, there are special values and gifts in every area in all 13 stores. And they serve pastry and coffee and... And they have professional salespeople and the whole business. Make Christmas a real delight by shopping at Huffman Coos. Open from 9.30 in the morning till 9.30 at night on Saturday till 6 p.m. If you want to call up and find out where the nearest Huffman Coos is, that's area code 201-343-4300. Ask for Mr. Coos. Yeah. Wait, we're getting a message here. I'm sorry. It's coming in now. You're seeing a message. Message ding dong. Um, <clears throat> yeah, there was another guy who went to the racetrack in a $10,000 caddy. He'd done so good, he'd come home in a $100,000 Greyhound. <laughs> now that takes thinking, and you don't want to make people think, honey. Thank you. All right, everybody, let's dance. All right, get off my back, will you? Every time I turn around, George Brown starts yelling at me. I'm not going to dance, even for you. I don't care whether you do have the union in your palm of your hand. Let's see. We got, uh, what do we got here? Oh, yeah, I was going to give a salute here to a man. You want to hear a wild story? I don't know why this hits me so funny. Uh, yeah, this uh, this is one of my uh, one of my spies sent me this from California. He says, my God, everything's happening in California, Shepard. And I said, that, yeah, that's true. Having been out there, you, you, you just... You, you, the, the minute you step off the, the plane in California, you get a strange sense, curious. And about three minutes later, you're, you're, you're sure of it, see? <laughs> it just doesn't add up. And uh, the thing that scares you is they got the same president. You know, that kind of makes you wonder. And so, uh, never, no, no, it's, it's hard to believe it's, you know, it's in our country. So here's a, here's a little thing that comes from Hemet, California. Big Bean, Dave Cook. Worries now today, at this minute, about his backyard garden. Now, remember this. Now, think of it. It's right there now, this guy's garden, this minute. And I quote him. It isn't safe. It isn't safe for our neighbors, for our chickens, for children, dogs, and cats, says Cook, who's 73. Not even for my wife and for me. That is why he nailed a sign in his garden here in California, he met California, that warns, beware of falling bean. Cook's beans are three to four feet long and weigh as much as 20 pounds. <laughs> I don't know why I find a 20-pound bean funny. <laughs> that reminds me of that terrible joke about a 500-pound canary. No, I won't tell it. No, no, I just said it reminded me of it. I ain't going to tell it, though. Not at all. That, that also reminds me of the, of the joke of the 70-pound mosquito, which I can't tell because the kids are still up. And by the way, for those of you who would like to know the joke about the 70-pound mosquito, you of course, this is for serious ichthyologists. Isn't that uh, what it is that uh, messes with bugs? 
or as an etymologist? I see. A bugologist? Okay. For those of you who are serious about this, we will be glad to send you in plain seal wrapper the joke, a fantastic joke about the 70-pound mosquito. I'll tell you this, though. It's obscene as all get out. So you don't want to hear about it, do you? No, you're not interested in obscenity. Anyway, Cook's beans weigh 20 pounds. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> the bean seeds were mailed from the jungles of New Guinea, Cook said. I planted the seeds last Easter, thinking I'd get a few vines with the usual size and number of beans. Well, the stalks went wild. My wife and I measured the vine. It was growing three to four inches a day. I thought I was becoming another jack in the beanstalk. The vines snaked across the large yard behind his mobile home, choking other plants, trees, and flowers. Now the beans are falling, and it's getting dangerous. I've been conked on the head with one of the beans, and I'll tell you it don't tickle, Big Bean said. That's why I worry. Imagine a small boy or girl being knocked over the noggin with a 20-pound bean or a cat or a dog flattened. Me and my wife, we enter the yard awful cautious. Just sounds like an old guy. <laughs> his giant beans. He says, uh, uh, he and his wife uh, moved from Michigan four years ago, and he decided to take up gardening as a hobby. So I never planted a seed in my life till I come to California. Now they think I'm some kind of a nutty Luther Burbank around here. My neighbors eye me with suspicion. And it was his daughter who sent him the beans from from uh, New Guinea. Now he's got these... By the way, this this reminds me of a story. Can you imagine California suddenly being overrun with gigantic 20-pound beans? Uh, that's, that's like the kid that brought the, uh, brought the uh, snail to Florida. And, uh, you know, that that's a... Uh, yeah, you never know when uh, when some terrible fungus is going to get you. Which reminds me, this is W O R in New York, and uh, would you give me a little echo chamber? I want to make my fungus noise. That's a very rare recording that was made uh, with uh, micro tapeography. And uh, what it does is it multiplies un totally inaudible sounds way beyond the level that you want to hear them. And it makes them so loud that you can hardly stand it. And that was the sound of a fungi or a fungus or a fungi eating its way through a watermelon patch. Do you want to hear it again? <laughs> also has a little stomach trouble there, as you can probably tell. Do you have a uh, commercial there for a champagne? Say, I just learned something about wine. <laughs> Great Western has a kicky set of booklets called <laughs> Little Something. Each one tells you a little something about their great wines. And you get them free from your local wine merchant. This one says, Sparkling Burgundy is actually red champagne. Compared to white champagne, it's a deep red color. It's heavier bodied and not as dry but with the same tingling bubbles. And like all great western New York State champagnes, it's fermented right in the bottle to bring up its lively flavor. Try some. You'll see why it's called great. Great western Great western, made by the Pleasant Valley Wine Company, Hammondsport, New York. Come, my dear. I will ply you with the champagne. You do not know what the bubbly water is. is champagne. You will like it. Yes, indeed, more. 
is nothing like a little champagne with the heart and pepper. <laughs> you know, uh, speaking of uh, a champagne, uh, uh, that's all right. You know, uh, this the, there's one good thing about this time of the year. You know, it's a... Uh, and there's, there are not many good things about many times of the year. Because the one thing about New York, any of you who have never lived in New York, you don't know that there are no such things as seasons in New York. I mean, uh, no, no, we don't have, you know, real, like like out in the rest of the world, like summer and winter and all that stuff. Uh, you can listen to uh, you can listen to the weather from one end of the year to the next at the end of the news. John, he can tell you that. And they just, uh, they don't even change it. Although they make a big issue over it. There's not much happens. Uh, <laughs> you know, if you've ever heard a weather forecast in the Sahara, for example, where they really have something to talk about, you know, tomorrow it's going to be 196, there's going to be Sirocco winds and a sandstorm from 3 to 5. There will be seven people die between now and tomorrow morning. And now we return to sports. Uh, <laughs> well, that's, you know, that's, it, it might surprise you guys to know that there are places all over the world where they really have weather. And the, and the further away you get, uh, you know, the further in, into the real weather area you get, the, the, less, the less importance they give it. So I'm sitting up in Alaska, okay? Now, you know, Alaska has weather. I mean, they, they really have weather. And uh, they don't even mention it. Uh, it's, uh, it's, 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 no, they don't. They don't mention it at all. I said, my God, if, if just one, if Lyle Van or John Scott had one day, just one day, like they have in Nome, on any given day, they would have newscasts from now until next May. They wouldn't even have to worry about the latest strike news. And uh, by the way, W.R., I'd like to point out, for those of you who are record fans, we're bringing out a wonderful LP of our favorite strike bulletins. Uh, O.R. has had, and it's in stereo, by the way. It has such great old strike favorites as the late Mike Quill uh, and all the rest of the great. Yes, yes, you return to Lindsay. I wouldn't know who is Lindley. Well, they, these are wonderful LPs, and and for you news fans out there, we just had uh, Jean Youngson called. She says she's already ordered a 20-pound bean seeds to drop 20-pound beans off her terrace. Thank <laughs> oh, God, there's sick people everywhere you look. But I'll tell you this, though. I, I uh, You know, anybody anybody's interested in weather, and I'm certainly interested in weather. That's uh, one thing that <laughs> I'm interested in. One thing about New York, we don't have any, see. Uh, you, you, you just don't, uh, you know, there's no, weather's a, a theoretical thing here. And so how do you tell the seasons? Well, for one thing, whenever you, you can tell that it's Christmas time, there's a great proliferation of odd and exotic commercials that suddenly appear on the radio. And uh, you, you notice that on TV. I, I wonder, do they ever have uh, vegetable slicers any other time of the year except this time? Does anybody ever buy one of those vegetable slicers or knife sharpeners, let's say, in August or July? Have you seen those guys? Yeah, those guys? Yes. Wouldn't it be a pleasure now to sharpen a, a knife and have it really be sharp? Yes, it will sharpen scissors. It will sharpen the, your buttons. It will sharpen your shoes. And just like this. Have you seen these on commercials on TV? Oh, they're wonderful. I, uh, I like those guys. There's a, there's a, and then there's, uh, yes, there. Oh, well, that, that's going to be a great hobby. Wait till a lot of these people start making their homemade wine. Have you seen that being hawked on, on TV? That's a great Christmas gift. I can just say, well, Uncle Charlie, you know, finally... You don't have to go down to the you know, down to the down to the Red Rooster and get get bombed anymore. You can make it right at home, and uh, it's really good. It tastes a little bit like old vinegar, but it's okay, you know, if you like old vinegar. But the, <laughs> you're looking to be confused. <laughs> no, not you. The girl behind you. 
she just hasn't seen that commercial. But uh, you know what I miss? I'll tell you what I miss. You know, they say, we, we hear it living in, in the big city, you know, we're all products of media. We don't miss real things, you know, like guys used to say. You remember the old days when, when we missed this and we missed that? But when you're, when you're totally living in concrete, you have very esoteric things you miss because not much changes. You walk along 100 miles in New York on a given day, and all you pass are a lot of concrete mixers and, and the cabs and the cigar butts and... It's pretty hard to miss a building in New York. You, you know, a whole building, a whole block will disappear, and you won't notice it for weeks on end, and sometimes years on end, months on end. It'll go by, you see, and all of a sudden you'll look up and you say, what the hell happened to that building? It used to be a building. It had knobs on it. And uh, I said, don't you remember that one? And I said, yeah, it had knobs. I remember there was something in there. There was a dentist I once went in there, and the building's been gone for months. You don't even know it. See, so that's, that's part of, of the life we live. So the things we have to do here, we're human, just like you know, just like real people. We we're human here in New York, and so we we have to have little milestones in our lives. So New Yorkers tend to miss things, which other people don't even really notice, because it's the only things that are real to us. I think many people here in New York uh, really would like to would like to call the lady plumber on the phone and have her come over and look at their sink, because uh, she seems like a real neighbor. And it's the only real neighbor you've got because they appear. You've, you've seen the lady plumber on television? You have, haven't you seen her? Or don't you watch television? If you don't, you're certainly missing what's happening now, baby. Uh, <laughs> and and uh, I, I, miss, I miss that crowd that used to come on at 2 o'clock in the morning. I really do. I wonder where they are. That, that motley little gang of, of, uh, of wandering players that used to come on at 2 and 3 in the morning and they'd say, Enjoy life. I miss that gang, and and uh, I just wonder where they went. Enjoy life. That was a good crew, and I remember there was another crew that came on for a while there, and they had a certain curious Bronx aura around their Roman commercials, where this guy was sitting there dressed as a Roman emperor at 2 o'clock in the morning. Do you remember that one? And all these girls were coming around, very curious-looking girls, looking a little nervous. They They... They were like uh, Nubian handmaidens or something, and they were plying him with what looked like perfume. Do you recall that one? That was a good one. And when they disappeared, then, of course, I had to go back to the my old standby, the Preparation H man. He's always there. And uh, he's, he's the one rock in our lives. You can really count on that, guaranteed to relieve itching. And, it's, uh, and uh, you know, this, this, there are certain things you can count on. And uh, night after night... Uh, <laughs> and then, of course, the, uh, you get so that they, they play the same movies every night. Many times, it seems like uh, the same movie is playing night after night, like Guadalcanal Diary. I've seen Guadalcanal Diary. I probably vlogged more time than uh, any given platoon commander who went through the entire Guadalcanal campaign. I just sat there and watched the thing hour after hour, and uh, it just goes on. It seems to be on an endless tape whenever... Whenever they lose the football game, they plug into Guadalcanal Diary. See these guys crawling up the beach again, and they're blown up. And then, then there's another one. Alan Ladd always impresses me. Uh, uh, Alan Ladd, uh, he's, he, he keeps popping up on TV. And I never knew Alan Ladd made so many bad movies. This impresses me. I mean, these guys must have been awful busy. And I, I sit there, and, and uh, these are all part of our time. You get so that you... You get so that you get used to uh, judging the seasons by esoterica like this. The commercials change, and you know it's spring then. So you, 
you stand up, you know, the first commercial comes on. Uh, right now, now we're we're going through a whole bit, a whole thing about ski commercials. You know, this uh, have you seen that? Now there's all kinds of little skiing resorts that are popping up on TV. So I assume it's winter. I mean, uh, unless uh, you know, unless like uh, there's a place out in Cat in the Catskills that has an indoor mountain. Now I don't, I don't. <laughs> did you ever hear about that one? So I don't know. You know, you you just uh, you just pick it up as best you can. Used to be that you used to count on the. Uh, Santa Claus is standing around the street to let you know Christmas was around. Haven't seen any Santa Clauses. Have you, have you seen any around lately? You have. Well, I don't know about your neighborhood. But my neighbor, I don't know what would happen if a Santa Claus showed up in Times Square. That's my neighborhood. And, uh, of course, he would look just like the rest of the crowd now. I mean, Santa Claus is not dressed very esoterically any longer. If you've uh, noticed some of the... Uh, yes, there. Here comes another another note here. Hello. Uh, if we're getting a, a direct flash here, it's just come in. Yes, um, mm, any movie that begins with the blank are crossing the blank with their blank. What's this? I don't, I don't understand that. That's a rule of thumb, but I don't quite understand that one. Any movie that begins with the blank are crossing the blank with their blank is a bummer. What do you mean crossing what? Is this a, is this a, a biological movie? Crossing what? Uh, yes, there. Any movie that begins... Oh, I see what you mean. I see. Yes. Well, what you're really saying, in effect, is all movies are bummers. Well, that's fairly true, I would say, by and large, given that. Hey, by the way, one uh, how I got into this rambling uh, dissertation here on the seasons is that I'm delighted to report that uh, there's one good thing about wintertime in New York. And I, I know of only two places in New York that do it. And I, I just went in there tonight, and you'll notice that there's a note of di distinct euphoria about me. And it is because I have observed now that Christmas is approaching and that we, the real New Yorkers, are now about to, uh, you know, don the mistletoe and holly and sing, you know, old songs like, uh, well, uh, let's see, uh, what is it you sing at this time? Uh, um I was on the tip of my tongue, that song. What the hell? Uh, uh, let's see. Uh, well, I'll, I'll remember it before the show goes off. I remember there was a song we used to sing at this time. It didn't have anything to do with it. By the way, I know some great words about uh, about grandma. Okay, so any of you are grandma fans out there. Uh, uh, yes, so there's a certain type of playwright that always has an elderly lady in the, in the part of the cast, and she always falls... Is sort of an in with this young poet. You've seen those movies, right? You certainly have. That's known as the Tennessee Williams Galloping Syndrome. Well, nevertheless, uh, <laughs> I'd like to point out that, uh, that uh, for those of you who enjoy those movies, you have a great set of lyrics about uh, jingle bells, jingle bells, jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride the one-horse open sleigh. Hey, jingle bells, jingle. I sing that well, don't I? Jingle all the way. Oh, what fun it is to ride the one-horse open sleigh. Hey. I could sing. See, I'm, I'm, I'm just ad living it there because the lyrics that I have available are not just suitable for, you know, mixed people. However, I will say this, though. Tonight, I, I had, uh, you know, one of those great things that happened in the wintertime. There's a lot of good things that happen in each season. Um... Oh, yeah, yeah. If, if, you, if you know how to enjoy life to the fullest, really to the fullest, 
And uh, tonight I went over to this place where I go every year at this time. And some of you may remember it. I got a letter here the other day, and it said, Shepard, where do you really go in New York? You know, so say, guy's writing from Vermont, and I can't really tell him where I really go because it could cause a lot of trouble. But I, uh, he says, where do you really go? I mean, like, uh, I'm coming into New York. Where do you go? And I says, well, I go a lot of places. Like tonight, uh, the places where the tourists go is not necessarily where the New Yorker goes. You agree with that? And there's a lot of places that are designed especially for tourists. That's right. Uh, they, they have a tourist look about them, and uh, they, they really do. I, I, I don't know how to describe it. Do you agree with that, Herb? There, there's places all up and down here in the middle of Manhattan. you just got tourists written all over them, you know. Iowa Clodhopper, come in. Welcome. And you can just see the sign there. Come in. And you can hear the sound as you walk past. You can hear them being shucked like corn. Yeah, they're in there. They, you know, they're just, they're just shucking them away there. And they're throwing them out in the street. And then for weeks after that, when they get back to uh, Rabbit Hash, Kentucky, they talk like, hey, you know, uh, I was in one of them real fancy New York restaurants, you know. And uh, by God, I, I come in there, and, and uh, lucky I wear a tie. You know, they made you wear a tie there. Well, you know that you're, you're really in Touristville. And so tonight, I sat down to one of my, my great all-time favorite dishes. Absolutely. I'll tell you what it is. Now, I'll ask you a question, friends. Now, it's one of my favorite dishes, and I used to have it a lot of times. Uh, you never get it in restaurants. It's very rarely served in a restaurant, and it's only served at this time of the year. In other words, from about, oh, I'd say roughly December 1st, maybe a little later, about December 10th, just before Christmas, and it's served on through, like, February. It's a pure European dish. And uh, I'll, give you, I'll give you some clues. It is not, it's meat, okay? It is not beef. It is not fish. It is not fowl. What is it? <laughs> and another clue. It is not veal. And it's a, it's a type of meat that is rarely seen in any American meat markets or supermarkets. And there are only a few restaurants in New York that serve it, and it's fantastic. It is spectacular. And only at this time of the year. So I go into this place, see, and there it is. I order it, you know. I sit down there. And I'm having one of those little esoteric... You know, that's one of the great things about living in New York. You, you, you just got to admit it. Uh, that one of the great things about this city are the restaurants in New York. And if you really have discrimination and taste, and you really put an effort out, you can find, uh, you can find some fantastic restaurants around New York. And there are some restaurants that only New Yorkers regularly go to. I mean, you never see hardly ever tourists because they're very unobtrusive, and generally they're, they're not tourist-oriented. They're just great restaurants. Some of them are 50, 100 years old. But uh, this one place that I've been going for a long time, I go in there particularly at this time of the year because they have this fantastic dish. What is it? Did somebody call in? What? Somebody got it? I can't believe it. Cannot believe it. Well, gee whiz. <laughs> you mean there's another aficionado out there? All right, I'll give you another clue. Okay, that's one guy that got it. I'll give you another clue. 
It is a German dish, specifically German. And it is just sensational. I mean, once you've had it, you just can't. I'll never forget the time uh, I was... Uh, uh, my mother is one of those people who, uh, you know, she, she just doesn't... Uh, She's very unadventurous. You know, her idea of a really adventurous evening is to... Uh, is to is to uh, <laughs> is to put uh, tomato sauce on the uh, meatloaf. You know that's that's really going all out, and uh, maybe some canned uh, some canned mushrooms on the top of it. And even that's touch and go. But the idea of her, her eating a lobster would be just impossible. Well, one night I took her to this place, ordered this for her, without uh, her knowing what it was. I said, let me let me order this for you. And so she got it, and she, you know, she's about three-quarters of the way through it, and she's flipping, and she loved it. She's fantastic. What is this, you know? And she's about three-quarters of the way through it, and then the waiter come along and blew it. He told her what it was. She turned purple, and at which point, uh, you know, she didn't talk for the next three weeks. And that's unfortunate, because this is a sensational dish. Did we get another one? Ah, yes, it is not sauerbutton. Well, sir, and uh, it is not sausage. Not that they're knockwurst yet. What is it? Now, we've got two guys that guessed it. And the place, by the way, that I, I went to, is, and this is not a commercial, just a, just a, a, a very non-tourist restaurant. There's a place right here in Times Square on 44th Street, yeah. 44th Street, yeah, between Broadway and 6th. 6th and Broadway, yeah. Or 7th and Broadway, really. And it's sensational. It's a place called the Blue Ribbon. Now, what, what, and they, they, they're old. They're about 100 years old. They've been there many, many years. It's an ancient restaurant. And they serve, among other things, they serve another thing, which I think uh, Americans should know more about. Do you know that there's a crisis today in that world? Do you know that right now there is a great shortage of geese? That's a fact. That there have been two restaurants that I've always dug for roast goose. I love roast goose. And that's not a tricky dish to to fix. So if it's if it's really properly done, it is it is really excellent. Uh, and and uh, served with uh, red cabbage, served with uh, you know really a good sauce. Wow! I mean, roast goose is, is just wild. And uh, many Americans have never tasted it. They don't know what it's like. They think it must be like turkey or a duck or something, but it's not. It's it's a separate and special dish. And does not taste like either turkey, duck, or any other fowl. It tastes like goose, and it's dark. the The meat is is dark, like uh, oh, it's uh, it's dark brown, like venison, something like that. It's not a light meat, and it's just delicious, fantastic. Anyway, uh, I I discovered that this year there is a great shortage of geese, and in fact, a lot of restaurants that serve roast geese at this time of the year are having trouble getting it. And uh, I had I had geese last week at at the Blue Ribbon, but uh, if you if you want a real good piece of roast goose, there's very few places you can get it, and that's one thing I get at the Blue Ribbon every year. I go in there, you know, this time of the year they've got it, and they they have it this year. But it is very rare this year. It's a shortage, and the geese aficionados are showing great are showing great uh, alarm. <laughs> you know, oh wow, and the, it's it's disappearing, curiously. Now, uh, what is that other dish? Uh, somebody else guess it? Yeah, okay. All right, I'll tell you what it is. If you've never had it, try to have it sometime. And the dish is Hassenpfeffer. 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 And uh, what is Hassenpfeffer? Do you know what it is? 
Hmm? Not exactly. Hassenpfeffer. I'll give you a clue. The last word means pepper. It means like hot sauce, but it isn't. It isn't really pepper. It's just a very savory uh, dish. Hassenpfeffer. Quite the quite esoteric to make, and uh, when it's made properly, it's just a fantastic dish. Just really great. Hassenpfeffer. I will let you think about that. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, we have a bird commercial here. You know, speaking of bird commercials, I don't know why I'm in a non-storytelling mood here tonight. But uh, speaking of bird commercials, I want you to listen to this quote, friends. An instrument may be made to fly with all, if one sit in the midst of the instrument, and turn an engine by which the wings, being artificially composed, may beat the air after the manner of the flying bird. That was a description of an ornithopter, and it was written by Roger Bacon many centuries ago, Opus Magis. Magus, Opus Magus. And listen to what Leonardo da Vinci says from his notebooks. Suppose that here there is a body suspended which resembles that of a bird, and that its tail is twisted to an angle of various different degrees. You will be able, by means of this, to deduce a general rule as to the various twists and turns and the movements of birds occasioned by the bending of their tails. That was when da Vinci was describing... The, uh, the ornithopter, and I have right here, right now, I've got a little bird in my hand. I'll wind it up. Listen, now he'll flap his wings, just like Bacon said. And this bird is, is patterned after the drawings of Leonardo da Vinci that he made in 1483. It's a beautiful little thing. It's 16 inches across, and it really flies. You better believe it flies. In fact, I'll, I'll fly it in here. It'll fly 600 feet. You just wind it up. It's got a little crank on it. And it's extremely light and very rugged. The thing is really rugged. And it comes with a, with a, uh, with a separate uh, special emergency rubber band in case you break the one that's inside of it. And she is guaranteed to fly. It's designed in France. And it's a, it's a groove. For $3.98, you're going to have more fun with this thing. In fact, the guy wrote me a letter. says, I quit my job. All I do is sit around and I'm fly my bird. <laughs> well, that's one way to be popular. And if you'd like to uh, order one of these birds, they're three ninety eight, and you send a check or money order to Flying Birds for each bird three ninety eight. Check or money order to Flying Birds, Department S, Post Office Box one nine o nine, Post Office Box one nine o nine, Grand Central Station, New York, New York, and the zip is one zero zero one seven. I'm going to fly this thing in here. I hate to hear that Jean Youngson is ordering 20-pound bean seeds to drop off of her apartment. All right, here we go. Listen, now, I'm going to fly. Now, well, if you fly this thing, read the instructions when you get it. I mean, it's very important. Like any good uh, piece of flying gear, it should be flown directly into the wind and launched from the hand. You don't lay it on the ground and let it take off. It, it takes off into the wind, and she will climb. And you can adjust how she, uh, you know, which way she goes by adjusting the tail and all that. Here we go. Now, I'll fly this thing right here in in the studio. <laughs> there it goes. Yeah, yeah. She flew right up. She was climbing like a bird, man. So she's guaranteed to fly, which is more than you are. You know, uh, it's uh, it's funny. You know, you talk about you talk about great food here, though. There's there's two or three great restaurants. Oh, there's a lot of great restaurants in New York, which is one of the one of the really exciting things about this town. 
And uh, once you get to know them, you, you really know, like, like Italian restaurants, there's some really spectacular Italian restaurants, really good ones. And in fact, you know, the irony of it all is that having uh, been many times in Italy, I find that many of the Italian restaurants here in, in New York are better than the Italian restaurants in Italy, which, you know, is kind of a drag. And uh, that's also true of, uh, of, to a certain extent, French restaurants, although I should be honest and say not quite. Uh, I'm not a real French food fanatic, particularly, but there are some great French restaurants here. But my my particular fa- uh, favorite restaurants happen to be uh, Spanish. Uh, uh, boy, there's some really great Spanish restaurants here in New York, particularly downtown. Over on uh, 14th Street, uh, as you go west, there's some really good ones. And, you know, none of these places are really, are really tourist-oriented. Have you ever been to the Korean restaurants here in town? How about the Philippine restaurant? There's a great Philippine restaurant over on the on the Lower East Side. Well, it's not really the Lower East Side, over in the 30s, way over. Have you ever been in that Lebanese restaurant? That's that's another good one. I like Lebanese food, by the way. And uh, there's a lot of, uh, of course, there's an infinite number of tremendous Greek restaurants. But uh, if, you, if you really like uh, the kind of stuff which is traditionally European at this time of the year, stuff like Haas and Pfeffer and roast goose and and uh, all those traditional uh, Christmas-type things. Uh, the, venison, for example, is a, is a winter dish. You rarely see venison any other time of the year. And the Blue Ribbon, uh, among other things, has venison. So uh, when you go there, you, you just take a look at the menu. You know, places like, uh, well, like Lou Chow's downtown. And, and uh, Keene's Chop House is another one. Do you like mutton? Well, very few Americans really have had mutton because mutton isn't served very often in American restaurants. But uh, if you like mutton, uh, and this is not a... I have no commercials for any of these places. I'm just talking about it because people are going to be coming in here over the weekends. And uh, I, I'm giving you some advice. There's another place right here in Midtown over in the 30s, and uh, I think you'd really enjoy it, Keene's Chop House. And let me tell you, if you go there and you don't order that mutton chop, you are just missing one of the great meat dishes of all time. They really do it. And it's spectacular. Uh, It's over here in the 30s, right off of 6th Avenue. Other restaurants? Well, gee, I mean, there's there's, uh, within, within I'd say, within a a five-block radius, right around Times Square, right around here, there must be... I'd say two dozen spectacularly good restaurants. Among them, some really good Japanese restaurants uh, that, uh, that are over in the 40s, right off of Fifth Avenue there, around 48, 49th Street. You just go straight over and you'll see them over there. There is an excellent Karachi restaurant. Yeah, <laughs> that's over in that area too. Uh, now, Karachi food, uh, of course, this is various types of Indian food, all kinds of spectacular lamb and the chicken curries. But, uh, you know, I, I just got on the subject tonight because I just had that Hassan pfeffer, which is served in a big pot, you know. You get it and it comes in a pot and it's it's got this, this uh, well, this, this spectacular sauce over it, which is really the essence of the Hassan pfeffer itself. Now, don't call up, uh, ask me where the restaurants are. This is the Blue Ribbon we've been talking about, which is over on 44th just off of uh, Times Square. Of course, there's Lou Chow's down on 14th. And, uh, oh, there's, uh, you know, there's millions of them. Some that, some, you know, some that I would like to do a whole show just about fantastic restaurants in New York. Great uh, 
Spanish restaurants down in the village. Uh, you ever had? Uh, have you ever had northern food? There's a restaurant in town that serves food from upper northern Canada, like Arctic char. You can have beaver tail soup, which is you know Arctic food. Really spectacular stuff. Man, all you got to do is no. That's all. No.